Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 56 with the first. Dick, I didn't know, I don't know if you know this or not. You are in hallowed company. I've had a few people that have been on multiple times, but you are the first two time phone interviewee. So you you well, you I am honored. You, I am honored. <laughs> you have the 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 solo you are the first two time solo interviewee for a pen and a napkin. I, I don't know if you'll be able to sleep tonight. Well, I I'm just saying uh when you started this uh about a year ago, yeah. I, I thought it was a great idea, fantastic um thing, but how you put this together and the people you were able to connect with and do a show with I, my mind's just blown i mean each episode um i've listened to over half of them um just just phenomenal information i mean your goal on this and how you carried it out wow happy anniversary uh you know and 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 so you know the the, the plan is to to try and keep this going as as much as i can especially during the season now there's there's a complication this season as opposed to Last season, I'll be coaching my own team, but, you know, kind of trying to look ahead uh, to, to try and keep it going. But my thought was every year we, we come back together here at the you know end of September, early October, and uh, we have an, an anniversary episode as long as I keep this going. So put, put that on your social calendar. <laughs> I will try. Uh, you know, we're we're gonna get to that here in the next few weeks um, as we as we start getting geared up here. So um, it's it's been great, and you know, you uh, coming on early, um, you know, and 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 have we had such a great podcast the first time around. I, I'd like to think I I know a little bit more about uh, what I'm doing now rather than what I did uh, episode four, I believe it was. Uh, so, you know, this, this one in theory should be smoother in some ways, uh, but it's, it's been great. Uh, I, I couldn't have done it, uh, without you and everybody that's come on. I mean, if you would have told me a year ago that I would have had some of the people that I've had on here, um, I would have said, you know, you, you need to be tested for for many substances, uh, you know, um, and uh, just the willingness of people to share. Um, I, I love, uh, you know, getting emails from folks, uh, ask, you know, asking me questions. Uh, I, I had a guy who, who said uh, he heard your podcast, so he called you up and asked you some questions um on some of the stuff that we talked about on the first one uh just just stuff like that is is the best thing about it and that that was the entire t- intention was to help high school coaches become better high school coaches and and I'm just I'm just really excited that uh, to to have have the recognition and and I'm not doing it for recognition I could give a rats too less about the recognition but just uh to, the ability to help people out and and 
hopefully I've been able to help some people out, but I hope the bigger thing is is to give other people avenues to connect with other people and listen to other people uh, so that they're being helped out. And and if, if by talking to you, this helps out other coaches because they get to hear you talk about the stuff that you do, then then that's what it's all about. And that's that's all I've ever wanted from this. Well, I appreciate you saying that because uh, I did make some connections with coaches and people from other states uh, because of this podcast and uh, had great conversations. I had a, a few phone calls, um, a few emails, and, uh, and again, I, I am passionate about it. And I love working with other people that are passionate about it, too. And, and, I, and I learned just as much from anybody I've communicated with as those that have communicated with me. So mm-hmm. I feel like they're making me a better coach and a person as well. So I really appreciate you doing this. Well, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, my wife has been pretty patient. Um, the, the, the only time she really got frustrated with it was our, our first one. Uh, we were, you know, we went, you, you, uh, you had the longest podcast for a long time until I talked to, uh, <laughs> well, two history teachers that have been friends for 35 years. So that gets even longer, you know? Uh, but, uh, um, we, we, you had the longest run, and and Carla came in, and she's like, "Are you done talking to him yet?" You know, she was, she was, she was not happy that evening. That's the only time that she got upset. Uh, but uh, but uh, so so you get you get that honor as well, Dick. Uh, is is uh, you, you owe my wife a, a little bit of time at some point. So, uh, but well, I didn't get that trophy sent to me in the mail yet. Like uh, some unpleasurable note well you you have a wedding to get to this afternoon so uh we'll, we'll definitely have to it, you're a lot more uh you you are in a position to get into a lot more trouble today than than i am today if, if you're late to the wedding uh because i would not want to deal with your sister if i was late for her son's wedding as well so absolutely i want missing for the world so, yeah uh, all right all right. Well, let's get rolling here. Uh, you know, a heck of a job, my friend. Uh, another since we since we talked last on the pod, uh, another state championship. We'll we'll get that. We'll get to that here in in just a little bit. Um, you know, you guys have, have built such a, a great athletic community, uh, athletic and activities community there at, at New Fonda. Uh, perennial power and and a lot of different things. You know, softball's been really successful. You had some good football teams, basketball, obviously. You know what's you know what's the what's the magic elixir? What what are you guys doing um, that you feel like has has been uh, the keys to just having such a a successful community and such pride in the community uh, that you have there in Mustang Land? You know, I think uh, the big thing is is parent support. Uh, our parents are just very passionate about their kids, and um, I think I touched on this last year as well a little bit on, you know, if, if there's a concert in the town, that's the only thing that's going on. So, I mean, the, the, the bleachers are packed um, for uh, junior high games. We have uh, community members that may not have a kid playing, just come in to check them out. I mean, we just have great support. Um, the parents are great, Bill. Uh, they understand, like, um, when we have a parent coach a team, we don't want them just to coach their kid. We want them to make the team better. We uh-huh. want their kids to be on good teams. So that that's a big thing. And I think um, the second, probably the most important thing with the, the coaching staff is we have to work together to share kids. 
Uh, you know, if, if a kid wants to specialize in one sport and that's their passion, we still need that kid out for basketball. If they're, you know, if they're passionate about softball, we still need that kid out for um, basketball and, and vice versa in all the sports. Your, your, your best athletes have to work together with each other uh, to create um, good teams. And um, I've been blessed these last, you know, eight, ten years with, we have a lot of state track speed in our school, and we have a lot of kids that run at the state track meet, and uh, um, and if, if there's a sign that you have a lot of good athletes in your school, that would be one. Yeah. Well, you you bring up an interesting thing, and I think this is something that, that a lot of high school coaches struggle with, is uh, p- coaches of your youth team and and developing them but but developing the whole team and not just this kid here or this kid there uh we we went through a little bit of that when when our carter was younger uh we we had some issues with that and i've and 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 then you deal with it you know no matter what you're you're gonna have a little bit of that you know as 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 perfect of a situation as you can come up with but what are some things that you guys do to uh, do, do you have a training program? Do you have a, a, a booklet, a guidelines? How much are you overlooking your youth coaches to make sure that they're developing the whole team? You know, what are some things that you guys do there to ensure that every every kid is being developed the right way, the way that you want them to uh, to be developed? You know, I think uh, the the one benefit of a small community, all of our our building, we have one building with three gyms in it, so I, I can walk into a youth practice. Um, and just kind of check things out. Uh, and I'm so accessible to parents. You know, parents will make comments, and uh, sometimes I'll follow up on, on some things by just asking some some questions on on certain things that are going on. Uh, but now, since I've been around so long within our program, people just understand that, you know what, that is the best way. And, you know, and one thing I point out, um, we've had some great teams. I have yet to have a player average over 20 points a game. Um, in basketball, we really share the ball well. That's one mm-hmm. of the things that Noel Fond is known for. Do we have we had kids that could have? Yes, uh, but that might not create the best teams. And and I, I make it very clear to parents that it's really important that kids have fun and get better at the skills. Winning a Saturday tournament in the middle of November doesn't really necessarily mean a, a ton. It means a ton of the kids and the parents on that particular day. But you know, go back a year later, will you remember that that event took place? And just kind of keep things in perspective. Like, you know what? Get all those kids in those games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we try to keep our tra- travel squads, you know, so like if, if we have a, you know, like we have 16 fourth graders that'll want to play basketball, split that into two teams. Um, I know in softball, uh, we had a, a fourth and fifth grade group, or like when my daughter's group was going through, uh, we'd have close to 18 kids or 17 kids. We'd play short on one team and always put two teams in because um, the more they get to play, the better it helps your program. And, and you know, uh, as well as I, that not every kid's going to stay passionate about it. But when when youth leagues are going on, boy, we got to get those kids out there and playing. So yeah. uh, those are just some of the things that we have done. Yeah, you got to cast that wide net and and catch as many fish as you can you know you're going to lose some along the way it's it, i always said it's it's kind of like a funnel where you know at the top it's it's really wide and as you go down that's going to narrow but if if but if you're not pouring very much in at the top then you're not going to have very much left at the bottom and and that's what i try to emphasize to our youth coaches hey let's get these you know if, if there's if there's 12 kids that want to play let's find a way to get 12 kids out there if we you know if we've got 
16, let's two teams of eight, you know, and let's just find a way to make it work because if if these kids want to commit to uh, give their time and and their uh, money and their effort towards uh, being part of our program, then we've got to do everything that we can to make them part of our program. Yes, and, and you hit it right on the head there. You know, I, I'm i a PK principal, preschool to eighth grade principal, so I, I've built really strong connections with a lot of these families and a lot of these um, students, uh, and I, I provide free clinics, and, you know, we have open gyms and things like that where kids can come in and play. So, like, we, we have those things going on, but I, I do talk to parents about it's not about winning, um, and of course, wins are nice. Wins wins are important at times to make sure that kids are confident enough to keep going. Exactly. But um, but, but just because you have one kid that can score anytime down the the, the court, um, that doesn't necessarily mean you're on a good team. I mean, I just remember youth football days. We had the the team with the fastest kid on the field. They would give the ball to him. He'd run around the left side, and whoever had the fastest kid on the field that could get the most touchdowns would win. But meanwhile, is everybody else truly getting better yeah. when that's happening? Yeah. And, uh, and then that's the key piece that I always like to, to point out to, to people when they ask about stuff like that, is that, you know, uh, you might have won today because you had the best player, but are you getting everybody better? Because down the road, we know when it gets to varsity level, uh, shoot, it's the most well-rounded the teams that have a lot of options that usually create the most problems at the end of the season. Well, yeah, I went through that uh with uh, the, you know, I got back into the AAU stuff this summer. You know, I, I decided to do, you know, I got, I, I jumped in with that before this whole Fort Calhoun thing rolled around. Yeah. Um, but even at that level, it was okay for the first 35 minutes of the game or whatever the the scenario was. Um, we're going to play everybody pretty well evenly. Uh, we're going to keep rotating kids in and out and we're going to keep, now you get to the last five minutes. Hey, we're going to go for it. You know, uh, if it's a close game, then let's, let's kind of coach it like we would a real game. Um, but it, and, and that's kind of what I emphasize to, to our coaches is, Hey, everybody should be playing. Now you can manipulate your rotations to where, Oh, we just happen to have in the last four or five minutes, in theory, our best five or six kids out there. There's a way you can do that. Uh, if you're looking ahead, uh, but you, you, everybody needs to get reps and you're, like you said, you're, you're not going to remember that random tournament in, in Storm Lake or Millard, uh, six months from now, but that kid's going to remember feeling like, uh, you know, not feeling well about themselves because they were the one kid that didn't get to play as much as everybody else, just because we had to win this random game, which really doesn't mean that much in the long run anyway. Well, and, and I think, you know, I've, I've been around the AAU circuit uh, for many years now, just uh, from some of my kids have played on some of those teams. And, uh-huh. you know, I think one thing to always consider, too, is how are those roles explained? You know, because yeah. I think uh, sometimes coaches just assume that kids get it um, and they don't they don't always just get it. Uh, those conversations around, you know, the purposes of what's going on, you know, and, and we've all had that day on a Saturday you know, in the middle of June where, man, we're just getting rocked this game and, you know, and, and having those positive conversations like, all right, this is what we need to do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we work on this set of skills and that set of skills, and I think those conversations are so powerful in helping kids understand their role. Because uh, I think what sets most parents off is when they're scratching their head, why is my kid not playing? And 
and the coach really doesn't communicate with them, or um, why why this game versus the previous game, or you know, I think those conversations are so important around those topics too, because those that's where the delicate um, gloves are needed. Um, yeah. They explain, hey, Susie, you might not be playing as much. We need a little bit more ball handling. Let's if you work on those ball handling skills and maybe uh, using a pass fake before you throw it and reduce some of these turnovers, uh, you'd be you'd be right in the mix too. Or you know, some of those types of things I think go a long way. Well, that's the old Belichick theory: the more you can do, the more you can do. You know, and absolutely, and you know, the the more you can do, quite honestly, the more you're going to play, and and that's just. You know, it, it's great to be a specialized shooter, um, and you need kids that can hit shots. You, you need kids that can rebound. But if you can shoot and rebound, you're going to be out there longer. And that's just the the simple facts of the game. And and as you explain that to your your parents, and and you like you said, I think the key thing is just laying out your expectations from day one. And and I think it's important that you are thorough with what I've been always been a big guy on. You know, here is our belief as as a youth program, uh, and here it is in black and white, and there's no debate. Here it is. You, you didn't mishear me. Here it is in in print so that you uh, can't come back and say, well, we never knew this. Well, no, yeah, you did, and, and here it is right here, and I explained it, and I wrote it down, and I asked you if there's any questions, and, and, and by, you know, pre-communicating a lot of that stuff, hopefully that takes away a lot of those situations as well. Um, that, that's what I've always tried to do. And, uh, and I think you nailed it on the head. I think the more open you are, uh, the, the better things are. But I also know um, in the avalanche that in the season, sometimes things change, you know, where yep. Yep. You know, all of a sudden this player has improved so much they kind of pass up another player. Um, and we, we have that in our program, or maybe a young kid who's very athletic and you know, all of a sudden improves their skills because they're going up against, you know, better kids every day, all of a sudden starts passing up some of those kids. What are those conversations you're having with those kids being passed up that mm-hmm. makes them definitely feel like they're a part of it, um, but helps them understand, like, hey, this is what's going on. Um, and because uh, I just know when kids go home and talk to their parents about what's going on, it's a very filtered yep. uh, version of the story. thousand percent. they might not always get the other proof. I always made it a point to, if, if I had a kid that had been in the starting lineup for X amount of games, you know, an extended amount of time, let's say five, six games or whatever, and we decided to to make a change, uh, before I announced it to the team, I always took that kid aside at some point. I said, hey, uh, Mary, we're, we're going to go with uh, Susie tomorrow night against Pius. Uh, hey, just be ready to go though. You know, it's it's it. You know, Mary's playing real well right now. We just think this is the best thing for the team. But you're going to get your looks. You're going to get your minutes tomorrow night. So just be ready to go here, and and because we're going to need you. And and it was just you know, look them in the eye. I always felt like if you're going to make those type of changes, you owe it to that player to explain to them what you were doing. Now you you can't get into a diatribe, a you know, a half hour huge conversation or anything like that, but. You owed it to that kid to explain to them what you're thinking and why you're thinking, and to encourage them that you're obviously, if you're a starter, you're still a big part of this, and you need to. Uh, we're we're still going to need you. It's just going to be in a different role. You know, I, I think you hit it right on the head. And um, and one thing that one caveat that 
I always throw in there is like when I talk to players, I, I, I always say that, you know, I've had all of you guys have worked your tails off in the off season. You, you got better at this and that. You're working your tail off in practice. One thing I do owe this team is for me to put the best lineup out there uh, because of this circumstance or that circumstance. You know, maybe you're playing a team that you need a different skill set, mm-hmm. and this is why we're going this way tonight. And uh, I really don't like surprising kids on game night. I, which yep. Like what you said, I like to have that conversation so they can brace themselves and be ready and still feel confident. Like, you know what, coach is truly doing this for a team. This isn't really a personal decision. It's, it's yeah. a business decision because we're, he, he, he thinks we need a, a rebounder in the mix more than another quick guard or whatever the circumstances is. And, um, and that, that takes the personal out of it, even though they'll still take it personally, but they recognize that coach is trying to do what he thinks is best for the team. Yeah. And, and I, and I think that, like you said, they get a chance to brace it. Cause you know that if let's say you've had a player that started the first 10 games of the season and then all of a sudden, on the 11th game, you're replacing her with somebody else. You know that the other kids are going to, whether they mean to or not, they're going to take a look over at Mary and go, well, you've started every game and now you're not starting, you know, and, and, oh, yeah. you, you know, that, that visceral reaction, you know, where it gives Mary a chance to, you know, she knows they're probably going to be looking at her and why am I not in the starting lineup and that type of thing. It's, it's just a natural human instinct in, in, no matter regardless of the situation so i think that that those those are little things that you can do to take tough situations that can upset the the chemistry of a group a little bit that you can minimize that con that potential conflict within the locker room by being overly communicative and and getting your kids to understand the the bigger picture not look at the tree but to look more at the forest it's never going to be easy but those are the things that you can do to help steady those situations that can become very unsteady in a in a short amount of time well and and to add one more layer to this conversation uh, i think how you set up your practices is, is so important in this regard as well because um, we set ours to be so heavily competitive and we mix and match rotations mm-hmm. all the time with what yep. we do anyway. We can talk about systems a little bit later, but because of how we do things, um, you know, we might not have the, the varsity starters practicing together every minute of every practice. We might mix and match so we get better competition, some drills, and in that mix and match, it, it also maybe allows some other kids that. Um, get to work with the better players on both, and all of a sudden you're building, um, and you start seeing some things like, oh my gosh, um, this kid has improved a ton, and and, it, and, and you're kind of competing the kids against the kids that are competing for the same playing time um, and, in, a, in a fair environment. And so what I've noticed by doing it that way in practice, that kids start seeing, now they don't always agree with what's being seen by me, it, it opens up those conversations. Hey, did you notice that um, player A is hustling every single second? That's what we expect in our program. And mm-hmm. maybe you're not running as hard in a in a get back on D situation. And um, it just opens up those doors for conversation. And uh, um, we, we set those up at the beginning of the year with our goals meetings. Um, I always have kids visualize a player that they'd like to beat out. I never want to know who that player is. Um, and then I always have them visualize what skill set is it going to take for you to improve to beat that player out. And, mm-hmm. and so because we have that visuals going on and those conversations paved that way, 
um, those things do materialize over the course of the season. Yeah. Well, you you are in a in a you've you've built this to that point where you can mix and match those things, and I want to pivot a little bit here to um, you know one of one of the the best high school games I've ever watched, which was your title game last year against Bishop Garrigan. Um, I it's it's on the YouTube. I don't know if you know that or not. And over the last two days, I've I I watched the entire thing from start to finish because I wanted to get the whole feel and the flow of the game. Um, I, I, I'm guessing you've been, you've been asked about it numerous times, but I want to, I want to attack it from a different angle after, after going through that, you know, what was your, uh, analysis of your own team after, after that, you know, you're, you're up, you're down, you're down way big, way big. You're having all sorts of problems. And then you cut a couple breaks, um, with some foul trouble for Garrigan, um, and and your your kids made big plays and and obviously the the biggest play at the end is is the game winning shot with with three seconds left and you and you win a state title. But um, looking back on it, you've 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 removed the emotion from it for the most part. You can't not get. I'm, I was watching. And I was like, God, I'm getting nervous. I'm getting you know this is this is pretty crazy. You know, it's not even my team. Um, but. You know, how do you look back on that experience, and and what do you take from it as you build forward to next year? Because I know you're not much of a uh, look back on type of things. You want to take things and continue to move things forward. So how are you taking that and and moving it forward with your group? Yeah, and for those uh, listeners that have not seen the game, uh, it's Newell Fondiverse, uh, Bishop Garrigan. It's uh, the Iowa Girls State um, basketball tournament last year, and if you type that in, it, it, it's a great watch. Um, I've had lots of people come up and talk um, and I actually want to backtrack to our game the day before we played St. Angsgar mm-hmm. we played lights out our best game all season we we beat a team by 50 that um, was I mean this team was in the state semifinals this team was phenomenal and um, we played our best game we hit three we were pulling up for threes in transition they were falling and it, everything just went our way that game and, and did, did they um, see did they see clips of your youtube highlights from high school there just pulling up for threes in transition there <laughs> yeah something like that <laughs> I, ever, I don't think i ever made two threes in a row until uh, i graduated from college anyway uh, long story short uh, we played so great that day um and, and and just think about every coach's experiences whether they realize it or not when you have that lights out game, there's a level of expectation the next game or emotional withdrawal where things just don't seem to go as, as you would like them to go. And, um, and no matter how well you played, I mean, you played your best game of the season, and the next night we, it fell flat. We fell yeah. flat, and we were playing the best team we were going to see all season, and uh, they were as good as advertised. And um, we, we just had a lot of things not go our way. Shots weren't falling like they were. And, of course, having a 6'3 girl in the middle makes that um, happen quite a bit. With great um, hands and great footwork. and so- Oh, my goodness gracious. I was impressed with her. I mean, it was, yeah, she, it was, it was, it was an impressive performance by, by her. Um, I thought you did a great job of letting her score so much early that you tired her out for the fourth quarter. I, I thought that was a great strategy. Well, I... That was sarcasm. What, 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 
good, so strong. We didn't have anyone singular that could match sure. it up. And so, like, in, in my coaching mind, you know, and, and we, when we played great players over the years, you have to decide, do you let others get open and create a, a difference, or do you make it so hard to get into there? So that I, I was banking on, hopefully, turnovers and rebounding being our, our advantage in that game, knowing that if we tried to double her and they still got the ball to her, Foul trouble could have became an issue on our team. You mm-hmm. know, you're putting your best um, forwards out there as well. So as I, you know, as that game's unfolding, and of course it looked like a layup drill with her, uh, but we were hoping pace uh, was going to be the difference in that game. And uh, uh, we did force, I believe, it was 34 or 35 turnovers in that game. Yeah, the announcer uh, said it was over 30. Yeah. You know, usually that's an edge, but when you give up that many layups. It's not an edge, but, you know, if you tried to take her away too much, they had two really good guards that uh-huh. could um, light you up as well. So, um, so again, we didn't score as well as we felt we could have um, throughout that game. I think in the third quarter, I think we had a five-minute stretch where I don't even know if we made a basket uh-huh. uh, because their defense was playing so good. They got the momentum going. Yeah. Uh, we had some things not going our way, so we had to find ways to flip that switch and uh, – um, and all of a sudden, you know, we forced a turnover, made a free throw, knocked down a shot, and all of a sudden we were back in it. And mm-hmm. then when their point guard fouled out, um, that was a difference maker yeah. for us. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and that no two games are exactly the same. And, you know, watching that game tape, uh, I just watched it again about a month ago as I started putting stuff together for this season. And would we do things differently? We definitely would. Um, but, you know, and, and you know this from the state tournament, we play three games Wednesday through Friday. Now you have, you know, we have eight days to get ready for the state tournament, but there's no guarantee you're going to get past the first game. You're playing the best teams in the state. Yep. And so, and, and every team feels this way, that preparation for a championship game when you're playing in the previous day, it's going to be very minimal. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you, you go in and do what you do best, and um, fortunately for us, uh, we had some kids make some great plays down the stretch, and um, defensively even more so than offensively. Uh, you know, kids um, just hustling, making plays, and mm-hmm. uh, we had a lot of different kids step up in a lot of different ways to make that happen. Um, so, um, did we play our A plus, A plus best game ever? No. Did we find a way to win? We did, and, and hats off to Algona Garrigan. They they're a great team. They're going to be a great team this year again, and. Uh, um, we we're gonna actually play them on December 9th. They're oh. on our schedule, so. Oh wow! Uh, wow. So we're gonna we're gonna see them in the regular season. I got it. Hold on, let me check my calendar here. Um, December 9th, you said. Yep. That's a Wednesday. Uh. According to my calendar. No, I believe it's. I believe it's a Friday. So it'd be December 11th, maybe. You know what? I'll have to get back to you on that. I don't have my. Okay. Okay. I if if we play, uh, if it's on the eleventh, we have a game that night. But I'll probably just skip my game and go to yours. <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think the poor Calhoun people would appreciate that. 
<laughs> no, no, I'm just joking. Pioneer fans, I will not be doing that. Uh, I'll, I'll have an earpiece in listening to it on the radio or something like that. So, so, so you 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 stole a little bit of thunder, and, and I agree with you. I, I, I your, your kids, I, I'd seen your kids play multiple times before. I don't think it was your best game. Now, a lot of that is due to what Garrigan did to you. Um, they pressured your guards and and got them flustered, and you're usually the ones. You, you, you're usually doing that to the opponent, and that was turned around a little bit on you. Um, and then uh, they had the the outstanding freshman point guard that was able to handle your pressure in, in a solid fashion. And and the way uh, she just had great touch on her entry passes into the into the uh, to the freshman post kit. Um, and I, I you know I think that was a big difference when she fouled out. They they. The, Garrigan was able to get the ball up the floor, but then just the the the, the entry passes were just a little bit off uh, to the post player, and she didn't, you know, therefore she wasn't on the same balance in the same spot to go up and finish a couple of those bunnies that she missed uh, or that she was making throughout the game. Um, but you, you know, your kids, I, I, you know, you just had more, I thought, and you're talking about building depth within your program, and I also think that. Uh, your depth kind of wore them down where, um, you know, some kids are not replaceable. Like, you know, Macy Seavers is very difficult for you to replace, but you've got something that can, that can be within a stone's throw of Macy. You've, you've got some kids there. Whereas when the gal, when the point guard filed out for Garrigan, um, she did, you know, they didn't quite have that same type of player and, and that's where they struggled a little bit as well. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of things that happened. Um, you know, Ella hitting that three at the top of the key that bounced, hit the front of the rim, and then and then and then rolled in. And I was watching, I was watching Larson on the sideline, and that's the fastest I've seen him move ever in my life. He he jumped. I thought he pulled both hamstrings uh, when when Ella hit that shot. Uh, uh, so, uh, but I, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was. You go through that, you've got most of your kids back for next year. They've obviously got most of their firepower back for next year. Uh, how much are you, it's probably going to come down to you guys. There's a good chance, you know, all things considered, that there, that it's going to come down to you guys at some point uh, in Des Moines again next year if, if things go the way that it should. How much are you spending your offseason looking ahead to that and kind of going, okay, we now we, we got to prepare for, you know, subtly uh, a 6'3 post player with great hands and, and great feet and finishes really well. We've got this outstanding point guard that we got to deal with and a couple other kids that they have. You know, how much do you do you do you look at that as you start preparing for your upcoming season? Well, you know, I think there's a, there's a couple ways here. You definitely will because um, it's in the back of your mind. Um, and it's just like I know in the back of their mind, um, they know that, you know, you know, if everybody stays healthy and um, things go like we'd like them to go, you're always planning for the positive, that you do have to prepare for a team like that. But with that all being said, um, you also know that there's other teams out there. So, yeah. you know, like I, I think we're going to start our um, preseason regular, going through all of our basic stuff. But, you know, there's always new wrinkles that coaches put in. And, uh We'll probably be looking at some different wrinkles, uh, maybe on the offensive end and defensive end, that can hopefully uh, give you an advantage on a, against a team like Algona Garrigan. And 
Uh, you know, and there were things that that game night that we just needed to do better. They exposed things of us that, of course, I'm sure he took notes down of things, and I took notes down, and uh, we're going to address those things because we haven't had a practice since uh, sure. that game, and neither have they. And uh, so those are things that you definitely are going to work on. You know, like like that game, like you 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 addressed. Uh, you know, we we threw the ball away quite a few times that game. And, uh, mm-hmm. Some of it was passing angles. Some of it was you know maybe um, rushing to a a conclusion before uh, we had an idea of what we we're going to do. And um, I th- I thought it was. I thought it was one of the few times that I'd ever, it was probably the, the first time I'd ever seen your team get sped up and make poor decisions against somebody else's defense. I had never seen that from any of your groups before, uh, which was, like I said, you're usually doing that to to somebody else. And you were able to do that in the fourth quarter. You you finally got your, your pressure going. You, you went, they didn't get the ball across half court for three or four possessions there early in the fourth quarter. And that kind of got your, your comeback rolling. Um, but that was one thing, especially in that third quarter, where you guys, it looked like, were, were frazzled and, and got sped up. And and I think that's good for your kids to to realize. That's that's a little nugget that you can hold over them. Hey, this could happen to us if we're not concentrating, if we're not uh, executing the way, if we're not fundamentally sound, that, that you can kind of continue to push that envelope with your kids. You know, and, and you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, in that, in that third quarter... It wasn't like we were taking a ton of bad shots. No. Some of our shots weren't falling. And, of course, we reduced our possessions with turnovers, yep. uh, which always hurts because you, you always want to end a possession with a field goal attempt if you can help it. Yep. And, uh, you know, we, we had quite a few empty possessions there. And, and it wasn't like they went on a, a, a quick 12-0 spurt. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those sustained. Uh, they, got, they had a good possession, got a good shot, made it. You know, we might have rushed one. And all of a sudden that lead... Just, you know, it just got bigger and bigger, and you know, we we did a few things that we tried to break the momentum, and uh, it just they just weren't working. And, and as a coach, we all know that there's ten times where your adjustments just don't seem to be adding up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, and that that's what was the case there. And uh, um, so then, unfortunately for us, you know, we made a little mini run, got that thing back to ten, um, and then just chipped away. You know, we were getting good possessions, just all the shots weren't falling. And again, um, when our tallest player is truly about 5'10", and they have a 6'3 girl that is phenomenal, and, and like yep. I said, I will never take anything away from uh, from Audie Crooks, because she is a fantastic player. And Absolutely. Point guard Molly Joyce is a fantastic player. Uh-huh. Uh, made a lot of things happen, and uh, uh, you know what? Those are the types of games you dream of when you're a kid. Like, you just want to be in those games, and uh I just told our kids in the locker room after the game that um, this is what we've all dreamed of in our driveway growing up. You got, you know, and of course, Megan, our senior, hit the game winner. You do the three, two, one, and you hoist one up and hope it falls. Uh, you know, we, we created that situation and, uh, you know, turned out on top. So like I said, uh, all the things that didn't go well, uh, I know on my part, the coaching adjustments, some of those didn't go as well as planned. But welcome to the world of coaching. Absolutely. Will, will Megan ever have to buy a meal in Newell Fonda ever again? <laughs> well, we might need some more restaurants. She had a lot of pats on the back. But, you know, the bad thing uh, about this uh, was, you know, really, the major school outages happened a week later. So we really didn't have um, a large chunk of time to... You know, really, like I think we had our basketball banquet 
Um, I think it was mid-August. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so again, with the, the outage, it, it was it, it was a, a challenge to kind of let the kids get together and celebrate it. But we, we did have our banquet. It was a beautiful night. And, uh, um, and again, I, I guess we just got to celebrate a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. You just got to string it out a little bit more. So, uh, how about we rephrase that? Will she ever have to pay for a, a tank of gas at the Casey's in Fonda ever again? <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's a good point. No, uh, she, uh, like I said, she's one of the most humble, hardworking kids you'll ever meet, and uh, she's going to continue her career at University University in Storm Lake. So, uh, I'm looking forward to catching some games there. Oh, that'll be good. That'll be good for her. So, well, let's. Uh, Let's jump into to let's just talk about pressure and and pressure defense and and changing things up here. Uh, you kind of said you know that's what you're asked about a, a lot, and so this is uh, this is something we can put out on a on a forum here. Um, both of you and I are are we would prefer to press up and down the floor, you know, ninety four by fifty, um, and, and so you know let's just let's just let's just go through some stuff here about building pressure defensive systems and and disrupting offenses and and just just everything dealing with with pressure defense and and let's just let some things flow here and you and you and I'll just talk about it and people can listen and they can take from it what they want and and we'll roll from there so how's that sound that sounds fantastic all right well let's you're the guest the two-time interviewee guest here um <laughs> what uh you know, just just talk about how you, you, you. Where do you start? Where's where's the where's the foundation? Where's the building points to building your pressure defensive system? How do you get your kids to? Uh, you know, what's what's the step by step process that you guys have there at Noah Fonda to get your kids to get out and pressure the basketball and do the things that you do? You know, I think that the first thing, and, and you're doing this right now. Um, I don't know if you guys have able to have some open gyms where you can see what your players can do and stuff, but we have some open gyms, and uh, uh, of course we've got the freshmen now coming in and uh, working with the high school kids. And uh, so anyway, right now, you know, you just watch the kids kind of get up and down a little bit and do their things at open gym. And uh, I guess the big thing is trying to understand what you have and what kids can do. And, and I hate placing limits on kids, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I got kids that can run and, and fly up and down the floor, you know, that's one thing. If I got kids that that's more of a struggle, uh, you got to kind of start figuring out who is going to win those top eight, nine spots that's going to give your team the best chance of winning. And once you figure that out, then that's when the scheming begins. And um, I know we do some basic things no matter what schemes we're going to put in, you know, like your zigzag drills. We uh, teach uh, – a funnel technique where we try to keep the ball at the sideline. We we teach a turn technique where we're trying to turn the ball handler coming up the floor. And then we have a contain technique where we try to slow the ball coming up the mm-hmm. floor. And I'm just talking one-on-one dribbling here. And so, and of course, everybody anybody can contain a dribble. You just, it just depends on how much space you're going to give between the defender and the ball handler. Um, so we teach those techniques and then, um, then we start introducing, you know, what we're going to do two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four, and that's where we start mixing in our different press looks with those formations. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, how we break it down is, you know, teams that prefer to dribble or prefer to pass, there's different techniques that we teach on what we want to try to make them do. And, um, you know, now after doing this for so many years, 
uh, you know, a lot of press breaks are kind of predictable. You can kind of yeah. you can kind of get a feel for them when you you know. Of course, on your schedule, you play you know the same teams maybe once or twice a year, and you can mm-hmm. kind of get a feel of what other coaches think about it. And you know, and they'll throw in new wrinkles, and we just have to be ready to adjust to them. But um, in the preseason, that's what we're working on is the probably the most seven eight common ways that we see a press break, and mm-hmm. then our adjustments on how we try to attack them. Um, and of course, over the course of the season, you're going to see some dynamic guards like Amali Joyce, and you throw some of that out the window because she's just that good. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so then, then you have to find different things to create the disruptions, and um, so we, we put some things in place. Um, and we start from day one with those things working with our one-on-one drills. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I'm gonna try and work a lot of questions into what you just said there. Uh, let's okay. let's start let's start from the backwards moving there. You, 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 the, those that say we're not gonna f- spend time on pressure because at some point you're gonna run up against a guard. If you're gonna win at the highest level, you're probably going to have a guard that you just can't press. So therefore. Why would we do that? That's that's an argument of of some coaches that don't believe in in pressuring full court up and down. Your response yeah. to that is is you know, is I, what? I yeah, and I do too. I get it. To do what's best that they think to help win a game. But my thing is this: it's really not even about the turnovers; it's the disruptions. Can you make them uncomfortable? Can you can you speed them up? and they can make quick choices. Can you slow them down? Can you get them uncomfortable? Because um, when I scout teams, and, and I know you're probably in full scouting mode, probably have all the game tapes of the teams forecast who's going to play this year, mm-hmm. and probably start breaking some of that down and see what teams coaches are doing. Um, you know, like some teams, 90% of the time, they have to do a, a right-wing entry pass to start their offense. Mm-hmm. What can you do to disrupt that? You know, some teams are going to do the dribble drive, uh-huh. What can you do to disrupt that? So um, I think I feel like with the athletes that we have currently, and again, I talked about we have a lot of state track speed kids, we're going to be able to get in your shorts and try to create some disruptions. And you'll find out some some kids are so good, they're just going to get to the basket, and we're, then we got to throw a different look at them. And, uh-huh. um, and that's where, you know, I think we talked about this last year a little bit too, is uh, a lot of teams do read and react offenses we kind of train our defense to read and react based on what the offense is trying to do. And um, and that's really the, the main goal behind our pressing scheme is we just want to disrupt what you're trying to do. Yeah. Well, and I think you, and I think that's a great word is disrupt because you know, a lot of people think, well, if we're not forcing turnovers, the pressure isn't working. Well, no, if, if they come down and, they they might break it, but because you've got the the let's say the point guard a little bit off balance and she kicks out a pass and maybe that pass is a little bit off and therefore the kid shooting the shot it might be a wide open shot but now she's got to recover but she still feels like she needs to put it up because she's wide open but she's not on balance now that shot has a less of a chance to go in again which means you get the board and now you're out and running and so yeah you didn't create a turnover but what you did is you created a disruption within their offense where that look isn't as clean as what it was and now they're playing into your hands because the pace of the game is picked up absolutely and 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 think about this scenario um what if the the receiver or pass bobbles that pass and again it's not a turnover they just bobble a pass what's the defense doing 
during that moment of time that that pass was bobbled on the offense, they're recovering. So like, mm-hmm. um, like just a disruption, like a bobbled pass, or you know, and you, you see a lot of times with a deflected pass throws off the timing of an offense. Now all of a sudden, a cutter going through is the timing is way off, and the defense is already recovered. And and again, all those little things start playing into the game, and they're almost unnoticeable. Uh, but those of us that have been watching game tapes year after year, game after game, mm-hmm. we start noticing that, oh, shoot, that, that deflection, that messed up our whole offensive timing of our possession there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if you have a, let's say you did a center post on that possession, of course you only have three seconds in the lane, and there's a deflected pass that added another half second, all of a sudden, by the time your post player gets the ball, it's almost three seconds are up. So, I don't know. We, we look at those types of things and, and, and build our defense accordingly. And, and again, every offense is built just a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if you just jam up, like I said, if a team, 90% of their offense begins with that right entry pass, well, I, I'm going to mess with you. Like, all right, I'm going to jam that one up. What, what, what are they going to do if I jam up and take that pass away? Are they going to back cut? You know, and, you know, and so you, you start, you start building it backwards that way. Yeah, and and I assume that you're showing your kids possessions like that. Hey, you know what? We didn't get a turnover here, and actually, you know, Storm Lake St. Mary's got the shot up, but look at the shot that they ended up taking, which led to a long rebound. Now we get out and run, and we get an easy look, and then we're able to pressure again. No turnover, but still beneficial to Newell Fonda. Absolutely. You know, and uh, the other thing that you're setting the stage for is you know, when, when you make your adjustments, and you might even have, it might be working perfectly, but you still throw in your adjustments like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna switch this interchange or this on the ball screen. We're gonna we're gonna start hedging out, um, and we start making those tweaks. And we do a lot of this stuff on the fly through verbal communication, maybe some hand gestures on how we want to guard certain actions of an offense, and it, it's on the fly. So like, um, it, it's just gonna create it's. it's they're getting a different look without us having to call a timeout. And, and that's all we want. Hey, uh-huh. let's just see how they handle this. And they backfired. You know, and when you practice this in practice, you know, the JV starts figuring this out and they start scoring on you. It's like, what, what the heck? Yeah. Well, they figured out what, where the, the new hole is. Uh-huh. You know, when you, when you try to cover something better, it opens up something else. Like when you jam up the wings, the back cuts are going to open up. So, um, so those are the things that we're constantly training our kids. Uh-huh. What, uh, you know, let's say you, you're against the the very good point guard. Um, there's other little things that you can do to perhaps get the ball out of, of her hands. Or once it's out of her hands, you know, you're, you're able to do some things to prevent her from getting it back. Um, you know, one of the things I like to do is, is trap the first pass. You know, they bring it over and then... And they, they, like you said, most teams, where's most of their offense is going to start at? They're going to enter the ball to the wing. You know, they want to get it centered and they want to enter it to one wing or the other. Well, a great way to take them out of their rhythm is to trap that right away. And, um, and then you, you know, I always tell my kids, <clears throat> excuse me, got a little frog in my throat. I always tell my kids, the better the trap, the more you jump to the ball, 
because it's harder for them to get out of the trap and therefore the passing lane is going to be there more often. And that's one of the key points I, I try to tell my kids. Or if you've got a, a, a great ball handler, they get rid of it. Now you full deny them and make it really hard for them to get it back and try to make it a game of four on four once that ball is released out of the ball handler's hands. Those are some other things that that that, that I've done. I don't know if, if you've done stuff like that, Dick, but, but those are a couple of things that, that I've done to try and disrupt the flow of, of other teams, um, you know, especially, especially like out of a timeout situation, those are great, you know, like a sideline out of bounds or whatever, or, uh, you know, Newell Fonda's got the ball to start the second quarter. Um, so they're taking it out of half court. They've spent the whole, uh, quarter break drawing something up or getting ready, or here's what we're going to run out of this. And that disrupts their timing as well. Uh, is, is that some of the stuff that you try to do as well? Absolutely. And I, I, like I said, it feels like we're in the same mind right now. Um, oh, well, credit Sheldon Public Schools for that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, I think that that's exactly you know how we look at it. Uh, you know, and we'll throw we'll throw on some traps or some fake traps or just to, to keep people on edge. And the other thing I, I always want to point out, like when you do something risky, and let's say you end up giving up a layup on, because that will happen against the good teams. You know, are you going to be all upset because you made that decision at your kids, like someone maybe didn't rotate quick enough, or are you going to acknowledge that? You know what? That's, that one's on me because I, I put that special play in for this situation. And we, we actually played decent, but they found a way to score, so they just actually beat that play that one time. Because, um, you know, when I build mind frame and aggressive players, I'm not going to scold them when I call a play. And then now if somebody rotates wrong, I'll be like, hey, <laughs> why did you rotate this way? And, and with my kids... All they have to say to get off the hook is, I read this instead of that. If they say that I read it this way, I'm probably going to give them Coach Junger's blessing because we do a lot of read and react stuff. But if they're out of position and I blow a goiter on them, now I might be taking the aggressiveness out of a, a player that might be not comfortable with that situation anyway. Yeah. Uh, so that that's just one of my little caveats to uh, those types of situations. Like If we're going to get be aggressive, we're probably going to be giving up some easy looks at some point in time, uh, but we just definitely want to minimize that. So I'm going to send this to every kid in the Newell Fonda program, including Kira Jungers, and say, okay, if you want to get out of trouble, just say, I read this, and, and that's the that's the get-out-of-jail-free card here. So You know what? I tell them that, too, but they don't think of it at the time. They think they're, they're in trouble. So, uh, but my savvy senior, you know, I'm, I'm Okay, well, the next time you read it, this is the way I want you to read it, you know. Exactly. And then, of course, the offense throws in a different wrinkle at that point in time. It's like, oh, I'm wrong anyway. Yeah. You you brought up giving up easy baskets, and I think that's something that also uh, prevents some coaches from really getting out and being aggressive. Well, we gave up a layup. Well, yeah, you did. But, you know, we're going. We're going, and I, and I think you know. Again, uh, go back and, and and watch the film of of your of your state championship game. You you gave up a lot of layups, as you said. You know, you gave up a lot of layups, especially in the first three quarters. But by the fourth quarter, and again, the the the, the foul trouble helped you. Um, yeah. But 
those those layups and those passes were not as crisp, not as strong. Your kids started getting into the passing lanes, and that got you to runouts, and and you 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 go on the run that it enables you to win a state championship. So you, you can't if you want to commit to be a pressure coach, you can't look at a 30 second possession, you have to look at a 32 minute game and really commit to what's going to be best for us for the 32 minute game and not a single possession or two. Don't you think? I agree. I think another thing when you're scouting, um, when you start scouting and you start, you know, checking teams out, like, all right, this team plays seven players, but they're only comfortable with six or This team plays nine players, but there's a comfortable seven. And, and again, I mean no disrespect to players that are playing that may not be as strong as some of the, you know, not not, not everybody's top eight is as good as their top three. I mean, and we mm-hmm. all know that, and, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, teams, coaches get comfortable with a certain rotation and stuff. And that also factors in, because if we're going to play eight or nine kids, and they're faster than heck, and they uh, can get up and down the floor, and you're going to try to play five or six, you know what, you might give up. You might give up more lives in a game like that versus a game where, all right, this this team is really eight strong. They can all get up and down the floor. You don't want to give up um, a bunch of easy lives against a team like that because they're going to probably be able to run with you most of the night. Um, and I had to learn, you know, this is 20 years of experience coming out here. Um, you know, we had some rough nights because I didn't learn that lesson yet when in my younger coaching days. Like, you know, and, and oh yeah, yeah. The other, the other sin I think is you play slow, slower when you have faster kids um, because you're afraid that you might give up too many lives. So, um, and you might actually negate the advantage that you could have had against a particular team. So, when you're scouting, that's what those are the questions I'm always asking myself when I'm scouting. All right. How many, how many comfortable players do they have? How many come from ball handlers? Who, who truly gets up and down the floor um, every possession? And where can I find an edge there? And that's what that's what we're looking at. So I remember at a state tournament game um, a few years ago, uh, we're playing a, a team that was very good, a D1 um, athlete. She was about a six-footer that could jump out of the gym. She could two-hand grab the rim type of player. Uh, we had no player. And I knew if the game was closed down the stretch, they would always have a, a. They would always have an edge on offense, uh-huh. and I just said, you know what? We're just going to go with our system, and the game ended up being eighty to seventy-five. We won, but we did wear out that team. I mean, she. I just told my assistant coaches that I don't care if she scores sixty as long as we win the game. Yeah. Um, she ended up scoring, I think, forty um, in that game because uh, we just couldn't stay with her. But we wore that team down and found a way to win it. We've also had state tournament games where I knew that that wasn't the best strategy, so we we played more contained and conservative, uh, disrupting offenses other ways, and you know would win a, a forty-two to thirty-six type of game. So yeah. it, it really just kind of depends on what you feel gives your team the best chance of winning. And, and that just comes with with work ethic and watching films and going through the fires and and things like that. You know you. You, you have to have and you need to work on and, and you know kind of the slogan of the of the pod is is to hone your craft and in order to hone your craft you you have to give yourself reps to make yourself better and by watching that film and making those reads and like you said you you have certain games where you have an all-stater for one team and you're but you look at the the team around them 
and you craft a, a game plan where you say, okay, go off for 40, that's fine, we're going to hold off everybody else. Whereas same exact situation, um, the the next day or the next year or whatever it may be, where you've got an all-stater, but hey, we're going to choke her off because I don't think the other kids can make plays. So we're going to, even though there's two all-staters, we're going we're gonna to have a totally different game plan as to how we're going to address those all-staters because that's what we feel will be the best way to to get us uh, a win. Um, and one of the things I look at is, you know, three-point shooters and just that 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 energy three-point shooter. And we, we've all coached them. If you've done this long enough, your team just gets energy when that kid hits three-point shots. And so we're going to choke off that kid. Uh, not because she's a great player, but you can just tell it's a big deal for that team when that kid hits two or three threes in a row. And so we're going to cut that off from there. So there's, you know, there's, there's different ways that you need to look at that film and you need to address that and you need to fit the psychology. It's as much psychological as it is X's and O's. Don't you think, Dick? Oh, yes, absolutely. And, and you know what? And, and, you know, it's interesting because you might play the exact same team two days later and play it a little bit differently because once you saw your kids match up to theirs, Oh, this, this might be the better way to go next time, and and that that's and, you know I and I tell coaches this too. Like when we're done with a game, I watch that game tape three times. You know, mm-hmm. we uh, if it's a road game, Kevin and I will scout it out. Kevin's my assistant coach. Uh, that unbelievable man, by the way, unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and Coach Darrow, she'll watch the game tape as well. So we you know we've got. Uh, three coaches here working on this stuff and then when I get home I'll watch one for entertainment and then I'll, I'll watch one for critiquing everything and uh, what that does is it allows me to analyze it at three different levels and plus if you're really passionate you should want to watch your game tapes you know what I mean mm-hmm. you just love watching it and I love watching we've created a style of play that's fun to watch and um, and I really enjoy watching that style and I would love watching our kids play and and I, I learn something every time I watch um, a game tape. It's, even if we win a game by, you know, 45 points, uh, I've watched that thing three times because I'm analyzing our players and how they respond to situations to better understand my team so that I can help come up with better game plans when we're playing our next opponent. The fastest way to improve your own team is to watch your own game film, don't you think? Uh, I agree. And, and, you know, and I think I, I, I've heard you when we've talked before um, – you would also spend another time in the summer watching the previous year's game tapes once you're emotionally away from the game. Mm-hmm. And, and you do get such a different perspective when you get emotionally away from it for a few months. And, and I do the same thing as you do there where I will watch the game films again in the summer, A, because I'm very passionate, I love watching them, and B, it's like, oh, how can I get my underclassmen, what things do we need to work on with them to get them to become better players throughout the course of this season? So um, there's there's great purpose there. Yeah, and I, and I think you have to, and again, I think that comes back to the to the honing of your craft. We're, we're on our kids to get into the gym, to get shots up, to work on their ball handling, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the, the social contract, in my mind, dictates... I got to be doing the same thing with me. I got to be listening to podcasts. I have to, uh, I got to be watching our own team's game films. I've got to start, you know, looking at what are different drills. And again, one of the, one of the things that I've done over the last couple of years is narrow down, for example, drills and, and things like that. Not, you know, 
quality is better than quantity. You know, you don't have to be so creative all the time with, with the drills, you know, that type of stuff. Uh, but, you know, just it's, it's, that's your job. And, and you're asking your kids to commit to you, but you, and, and most coaches are going to do this, Dick. We were aware of that, but, uh, you, you have to really commit to that to, to get the most out of your kids and to show them that, you know, this is where I'm at with you. And, and I'm in the fight with you all the way because I'm, I'm fulfilling my end of the social contract between the coach player relationship and doing everything I can to get the most out of your basketball career. I, I, I agree, and, and I think, again, if you're passionate about it, if you really love it, it doesn't feel like work. Like, like that's now, you know, when, I, when I'm dealing with a discipline situation at school, that's work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's yeah. not so fun. Like, when I, can, when I can, you know, take a couple hours and watch a, a couple game films, to me, that's not work. That's just, gosh, man, if, I, if we were to notice this on that game night, now that I'm emotionally, you know, away from it, like, I did not notice that that play took place quite like that or whatever. I mean, when you're passionate about it, it just does not feel like work. And, uh, um, and that's, you know, I think something that I've been blessed with with girls basketball is I just, I just have a strong passion for it. Yeah. Well, uh, we, we both do. We, uh, a couple of weirdos that, that grew up a few miles away from each other and, and, and now we're just kind of, uh, a uh, little chemically imbalanced when it comes to this this little game where you have a rim hanging ten feet above a ground and you're trying to throw it in there more times than the other guy. So, uh, and, you know, and you know the funny thing is, people pay tickets, they pay money to watch people do that. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I pay money to watch people do that. You know, uh, um, this happens to be a, a Saturday where we don't have a, a volleyball term. My daughter's on Newell Pond's volleyball team and. Uh, this is probably the first Saturday in a few weekends we haven't had a tournament. It's like, you know what, I'll, I'll put money into that till to watch them guys play every time. And uh, uh-huh. it's just, it's just a, it's a fun thing. And I know it goes so fast um, that you just want to, you want to be a part of that. Yeah. Speaking of your daughter, you're, you're in a, a new coaching dynamic this year. Now uh, you're going to be coaching your daughter. Um, how's, how's, yeah. how's that, how's, how's that uh, feeling for you? You know what? Um, I'm excited because she's passionate about it. She loves um, she loves sports, and uh, you know, again, she's on the volleyball team right now, and um, she played some softball this summer, and loves her sports. And uh, and and you know, one one thing in our relationship that is very important: what happens in the gym stays in the gym. What happens at home stays at home. Um, we 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 talk we talk about that. Like once you leave that gym, the frustrations stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, now you can always ask me a basketball question or something if you like and, and I'll respect that. I'm not going to you know, once you get home, jump you about a situation here or there. I, I just want that to be a safe thing and um, I had a, a, a stepdaughter that played for me oh, probably about 10 years ago and, and we just established those ground rules and it, it, it was very pleasant for both of us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're, we're leaving the gym so I'm dad again. I'm not coach. I'm dad. Um yeah. You know, but when we walk into the gym, I'm not dad anymore. I'm I'm coach. So, um, yeah, but but when uh, when I'm coach and you still need money, I have to turn to dad to get money. I can't let the coach get money to my players, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's just how it, I mean, that gets me off the hook. Like, no, I'm coach now. No, no more money. I can't give money to my players. Well, uh, she needs to go and uh, 
she needs to go and work for for Grandpa Fred and and get some uh, get some money from him, or maybe go to Des Moines and, and work with Uncle Dave and and do some uh, contracting stuff with him and make some money. Tell her to tell her to build up a little slush fund for herself. Well, it's kind of funny because uh, I just said that you know um, I want you guys to enjoy your high school experiences, and uh, if a job opportunity comes up, you can take it. But on the other hand, I want you to fully enjoy. Um, the blessings of being a high school athlete. So, mm-hmm. yeah, is uh, it Trey's a junior this year, right? Correct. Yeah, so that that's got to be exciting as well. Uh, most of your nights are double headers, uh, so you get to see. You know, you're in a great situation where uh, in the same night you go from coach dad to just just dad in the stands uh, in the span of about 20 minutes. Um, so that's got to be a blessing as well. That is, um, and you know. The, the good thing about a, a school our size at Noel Fund, all our facilities are based in the same locations, and um, and it is. It's, it's just varsity boys basketball plays right after the girls, so I can um, see both kids. Um, you know, baseball, softball, sometimes they play at the same time, so uh, we have to mix and match a little bit on those nights. But, mm-hmm. but it's, it's all good. It's, it's just a lot of fun. Good, good. Dick, this has been awesome. Uh, great conversation. First anniversary of a pen and a napkin. Um, you know, this, uh, this whole thing, you, you helped get this, uh, you were in at the ground level helping me out with this and, and, uh, can't thank you enough. Uh, it's been a great conversation this morning and, uh, you know, just keep it going. You know, I, I know you're not worried about the, the, the streaks or the, the numbers or, or any of that stuff. You're, you're in it for the right reasons. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm just so proud of you, uh, for, for all that you've done. You've, you've done a terrific job and, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm blessed to have you in my life and to, and to call you a lifelong friend. And, and I love it when we're, you know, we don't get to, like we've talked about, we don't get to see each other as much as we would like to, uh, because of just life. Uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just really, really proud of you and all that you've accomplished. And, and, uh, you know, it's, um, just, like I said, just proud to call you a lifelong friend. Well, and I appreciate that because I consider the same for you. I'm very excited that um, you've got another coaching opportunity coming up. Uh, I can't wait for the next conversation. You know, what's interesting about our relationship is um, from the last time we put the phone down till now, it just feels like it was yesterday. Exactly. It's it's one of those things. Time just kind of stands still, and uh, we can just pick up the phone, have a great conversation every time. And I truly appreciate your friendship and um, of course, uh, these basketball conversations, uh, I can never get enough of them. Yeah, well, you know, we're really lucky. You know, we, we grew up uh, with, and it's not just, you know, just in the pre, you know, for those, obviously, everybody wasn't listening. We spent, what, 20, 25 minutes just talking about a bunch of other stuff before we even hit record on this, just talking about, uh, you know, like-minded folks. You know, we just we just happen to have, grow up with a bunch of guys um that are just like-minded guys that you, you don't talk for six months and you pick up the phone and you feel like it was yesterday and so um i don't know i i, I think just the good lord all put us in the same place at the same time and and uh you know there was a couple of times i wasn't sure if we were going to survive a couple of those situations but those are those are various unreported misdemeanors and felonies that the that nobody needs to know about so um you know it's uh life has been a wild ride and um i'm just uh glad you've been along uh with it uh with me so um and so tell uh 
tell your brothers hello for me uh, at the wedding here today. Uh, tell your mom and dad hi, and and uh, wish you nothing but the best, my friend. Hey, you too. Great chat with you. Yep. So hold the line here. We got to wrap up a couple of things, and uh, we'll call it a day here. So. Uh, Dick Jungers, uh, the head girls basketball coach at Newell Fonda High School. Uh, again, we didn't even talk about our sponsor for the pod, but it is COSAC Chiropractic. So if you're in need of chiropractic services, don't hesitate to call Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, a pen and a napkin is the handle. Uh, coach Jungers follow us that follows us there. Uh, download, rate, and review the pod. Obviously, you're listening on SoundCloud or iTunes, so give us five stars. Forward this out to like-minded folks. So, And then, of course, if you, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Again, two-time defending state champion Dick Jungers, Newell Fonda High School, girls basketball coach. Great conversation on this Saturday morning. Coaches, let's stay safe. Let's pray for peace. And let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.